Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Welcome back to episode number 73 of the History for Weirdos podcast. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome back to you, babe, because... Thank you. Andrew literally just got back from Dallas a few hours ago. I did, yes, and we're recording because we are diligent about this. Yes, we're super dedicated to the podcast, but tell us, how was Dallas? Oh my god, it was amazing. So I was there for a wedding, and congratulations, Jack, on getting married, um, and, and Caitlin too, I guess, you know, it was her wedding as well. <laughs> Congrats to both the bride I, and groom. Yeah. I just, I didn't know Caitlin before this weekend, funny enough, but I knew, I've known Jack since 1999. So that's a long time. It's a long time. But anyways, yes, I went to Dallas for the wedding, but I also did some historical things as well. I went to Dealey Plaza where not as fun of a, of a, an occasion. Uh, that's where JFK was shot. Wow. Yeah, he was assassinated. It was kind of wild, actually, because it's just like a street. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, it's a street and there's it was actually a park. And it's actually interesting. There's some history with the park predating that as well. Really? Like the early history of Dallas. I'm not going to get into it. But yeah, like the founding of Dallas is kind of tied there in any ways. But there's literally like an X on the street where JFK was like the fatal shot took place. Wow. How interesting to see... Something so historic in such a mundane space. Right, exactly. Like, you would pass by it and be like, oh, you know, it's kind of like a mini little park thing with some streets. Like, you might be like, oh, cute park, and that's it. If you didn't know better. Yeah, if you didn't know better, and then you, you know, you're like, oh, it's a little bit macabre. Yeah. And I went to the museum as well, So and I saw the exact spot where Lee Harvey Oswald was when he took the shot. Wow. Yeah, and I saw the Zaprooter camera, where it's like, if you watch, like, like, footage of the assassination. Yeah. It's, it was filmed on one guy's specific camera. Right, because back then not everyone had cameras right. with them. Right, exactly. Oh, and he was so just some amateur, you know, he was an amateur. He wasn't like an actual, like, you know, uh, news was, reporter or anything. It was just a private citizen who was like, I'm going to record the president going by. Exactly. Okay. And you can see, like, the, the actual ledge. It's still there from, like, where he stood up and used the camera. And you see the cameras in the museum and everything. It's, it's actually kind of amazing. So the all the footage we see was there not like live like news press? No, the they were waiting for him at the destination wherever oh, he was going. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, and so like they no one was there like on the route. Um, Which is also weird to think about because now the president like moves a finger, and we have documentation of it. Exactly. We watch video footage of them 
just being transported all the time. Yeah, but like, you know, no one had iPhones back then, so you couldn't, and like, you know, the camera's bulky and kind of awkward shaped, so. That's so interesting. But yeah, so yeah, I saw that. It was really macabre, very solemn, but uh, really important for obviously uh, American history. And you got to meet a History for Weirdos listener on your journey, did you not? I did, I did indeed. Thank you for bringing that up. So yes, I met like an OG weirdo Yay. from like 2020. She listened to us when maybe like like half a dozen people were listening to us an episode. That's amazing. I, I know. And so uh, shout out to Aunt Jenny. Shout out Aunt Jenny. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Yeah, you're awesome. Thank you. Well, enough about me and my trip and my ramblings. Stephanie, yes. I know you've been working really diligently this week on your episode. So tell us, what do you have to share today? Well, about that. About- <laughs> oh, God. You used the word diligent. <laughs> <laughs> and that's too- it's giving you too much credit. I just wanted to share um, with the folks listening it was the oddest thing andrew and i both have adhd so i don't know if you experienced this too babe but mm. being home alone when there's no other humans we have the bird and the dog of course it was really hard <laughs> to be motivated and to stay on top of my stuff and apparently that is like a big adhd trait is needing there to be another person around the person that doesn't have to be doing anything or engaging in the task with you, but it's called body doubling. It's just, if you know that someone else is there, you're more likely to get your shit done. Wow. So it's not even like holding you accountable. No. It's just Existing. the fact that <laughs> I could literally just be like a walking, like meat corpse. Yes. And, and I'd be like, you're right. I should get stuff done. I'll do that. So the beginning of the weekend, it was a struggle. And then I picked up on what was happening and I was like, oh, okay, okay. You need to just, um, trick yourself into feeling like there's someone here somehow. Mm-hmm. So I put on, um, on YouTube, on, on our TV, I put on like people will record themselves or do lives of themselves like studying or doing work. And so I just had that on the TV and that helped me get work done. Wow, that's actually a really good strategy. Yeah, oh. so I wanted to share that for anyone else, even if you don't have ADHD, but if you struggle to get stuff done, it's, it's nice because then you'll see they take a break Sometimes every like 20 or 30 minutes and then you remind yourself like, oh yeah, I should get up. I should get a snack, go to the bathroom, whatever. Exactly. Um, So it wasn't diligent at first, but I got it done. And I think we have a really cool, kooky, weird topic for today. Ooh, I can't wait. Yeah. So this is actually similar. Today's story is actually similar to Andrew's episode from last week on Hedy Lamarr. Because today's episode is about the life and legacy of a scientific heroine with Hollywood connections. Wow, that's very similar sounding. Very similar sounding, but their stories are so different. Okay, I like this. I like where this is heading. So today, weirdos, we will be talking about Judith Love Cohen. She was an American aerospace engineer, a ballet dancer, an author, a publisher, a mother to a computer scientist named Neil Siegel, and the mother also of a pretty well-known actor, Jack Black. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? We're going to be talking about Jack Black's mom for today's episode. Wait, no. Are you serious? 
Yes, she's quite legendary in her own right. Obviously, as just from that brief little description, she's got quite a resume. That's absolutely insane. So, okay, Jack Black, School of Rock guy. School just of to be rock. completely crystal clear here. Nacho Libre. Nacho Libre. Mm-hmm. His mom was like a badass like scientist. Yeah. This And then his older brother became a badass scientist, and then Jack Black became Jack Black. So, okay, th- we definitely live in a simulation. Yeah, I think this confirms it. Confirmed. (laughs) Illuminati confirmed. (laughs) So, uh, Judith Cohen Love is best known for her work on what is known as the abort guidance system, which I will discuss later. Okay. There's like a... She does a ton of stuff, but there's one like big pivotal thing that we'll touch on. Okay, cool. But first, of course, we're going to bring it back to the very beginning Judith Cohen was born into a Jewish family in Brooklyn, New York. My dad was born in Brooklyn. Aww. My dad got hit by a diaper truck in Brooklyn. That's like the most random fact. Like, I, that sounds made up. Yeah. I know it's not because I've heard it from him as well. <laughs> but it sounds made up. Yep. Um, so enough about my dad. <laughs> Judith's parents were Sarah and Morris Bernard Cohen. Um... And she was just a very intelligent kid right off the bat. I don't know much about what her parents did, actually. But it's said that by fifth grade, all of her classmates were paying her to do their homework. Oh. Their math homework, specifically. So she was, she was like also like into organized crime here. <laughs> she was also <laughs> into organized crime. Totally. Totally. She eventually became one of the only girls in her math classes. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and she thought this meant she should become a math teacher. Um, her life changes a little bit, but we'll get to that. Um, and I put a note here to mention... My grandma on my dad's side, so also from Brooklyn, mm. I remember her explaining to me that in this around this time, um, women were not often in math classes, specifically. Women were not required in high school to take math. Interesting. It was not a graduation requirement. Women were put on a separate track, which involved more home economic-focused courses. Obviously, I'm sure this changed depending on, like, the state or the school district that you were in, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, she said that women could, like, the hard, quote-unquote, harder classes that women could take were, like, French. <laughs> oh, wow. So, but, like, completely, like, missing the STEM side. Yes, completely. It was just, not that these skills are not important. I do think, actually, it would be cool if kids learned things like cooking and sewing and stuff. Yeah. But it was just super, super segregated in terms of gender. That's so interesting. And also, I, I want to point out that your grandmother was a mathematician herself. And, like, yeah. she got accepted into Columbia to be a math, like... A math major. Major. Sorry. I, I literally forgot the word major. Like, I don't know what... <laughs> you just It was traveled. a tough weekend. Yeah. It was it was a good weekend, but it was a tough weekend. <laughs> yeah. She was, a, she was a mathematician. She was amazing with numbers. I remember being a little kid sitting at the table with her in their home in Florida mm-hmm. and she would be solving math problems for fun in the morning. And I have dyscalculia. <laughs> so <laughs> it couldn't be more opposite in that regard. <laughs> we were very different. Yeah. Uh, she loved books as well though. Okay, fair. So there there's where we overlap. So let me get back to this other math genius. Nice. Judith. 
Um, by the age of 19, young Judith Cohen was going to college, but she was also dancing as a professional ballerina. Oh my God. In the Metropolitan Opera Ballet Company in New York. This was her college job. Oh, she and Hedy Lamarr would have gone, gone along famously. Right? That's yeah. what I was thinking too. Like, she did have this side to her that's very stereotypically feminine, very pretty, right? Ballet is right. beautiful to look at, but also her actual passion was just like science and math and solving complex problems, which I thought was so cool. It was really cool. So she received a scholarship to Brooklyn College to major in math, right? But she realized that she actually preferred engineering because she hadn't been exposed to it before. Oh, okay. So after two years at Brooklyn College, she gets married. And oh, she, wow. I know, while in school. And she moves to California and immediately starts working as a junior engineer for the North American Aviation Company. And she attends... The University of Southern California at night. Oh, wow. I think I've heard of that school. Yeah. I think I've heard of it, too. (laughs) That's where Andrew and I went, and that's where we met. Yeah. So it's really cool to see that she's a Trojan as well. Very cool. Uh, Judith got her bachelor's and master's at USC in engineering, and she said that she went through both programs, both, without ever meeting another female engineering student you know after speaking with my engineering friends like while i was in college yeah i can safely say that it is a little bit better now but not much better yes i remember there being like two women in my sorority that were engineering students and it was a big deal and yeah think of your sorority how... had well over 100 yeah members yeah it, it's nuts to see how there's still a lot of disparity in stem Um, But she is a big pioneer in helping to break that barrier. Cool. So Judith graduated from USC with her bachelor's in 1957 and her master's in 1962. She then served as an astronautical, which sounds like a made-up word, but it's not, (laughs) an astronautical engineering advisory board member for USC. Oh, very nice. Fight on. And then I wrote, fight on. Fight on. So she stayed connected to the institution. And then in the mid-1950s, um, she, I think she gets divorced, and then she gets married again. She gets married quite a few times. Okay. Similar to Hedy Lamar as well. Yeah, we can kind of gloss over that, that bit <laughs> the, of the story. I think the first marriage, I, I really wasn't paying attention to her marriages. Because it's not that interesting. It's not really. that interesting. Yeah. I think she has maybe four, maybe five husbands in her life. Um, Four or five. So she and Hedy Lamar really would have gotten along. Yes, they have a lot in common. But in the 1950s, she marries a fellow engineer by the name of... Uh, I never know if you say Bernard or Bernard. I always say Bernard. Bernard. Okay. Bernard Siegel. You don't meet a lot of Bernards. No, it's like an old-timey name. Mm-hmm. She met him while she was a, um, a freshman engineering student. Obviously, they had that in common and hit it off. Yeah. These two had three children together the first being neil siegel who i mentioned earlier he becomes a very famous engineer himself then howard siegel and rachel siegel the couple will divorce later in the mid-1960s and that's when 
Cohen then is able to marry Thomas, Tom, William Black. Oh, and we know where that leads. Mm-hmm. And Black converted to Judaism so that the couple could wed. And um, this leads to a really like cool person. So I'll just leave it at that for now. <laughs> okay, cool. But after she graduates from SC in 1957, she does get a job immediately. She mm-hmm. seems to be very talented because, like I said, she was working even while she was a student. Right. And she gets a job at Space Technology Laboratories. And she'll actually stay at this company until her retirement in 1990. Oh, wow. Old school. That's super old school. To just stay there. Like for decades. For decades. Multiple decades. Like, wow. And now we will discuss Cohen Love's most crucial work. But first, we need to talk about Apollo 13. Of course. Because, you know, why wouldn't we? (laughs) Why wouldn't we? So, as a little recap, Apollo 13 was the seventh crewed mission in the Apollo space program, and the third meant to land on the moon. This mission was commanded by Jim Lovell, or Lovell, and then Jack Swigert was the command module pilot, and Fred Hayes was the lunar module pilot. I don't know what any of that means. Okay, I, I think I might know, and this is a total guess. So the command module, I'm guessing, is like the, the portion, like the, the completed spacecraft that goes up. And then the lunar module is the, oh, the one that actually like, like will land on the moon itself. Yes, 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 like in the show that we recommended to the weirdos. Um, oh, for all mankind. For all mankind, yes. yes. People train separately for those jobs, you're right. Yeah. So... This craft was launched from Kennedy Space Center on April 11th, 1970. But the lunar landing was aborted after an oxygen tank in the service module failed just two days into their mission. Oh, man. I don't understand the mechanics of what happened, but in essence, there was an explosion in the oxygen tank and it left the service module debilitated and forced the astronauts to use the lunar module, the one you just said, described to hang out on the moon which is much much smaller yeah they had to use that as their lifeboat essentially that doesn't sound like fun no it does not i would totally have a panic attack yeah in that that, lunar module i'd be freaking freaking out Mm-hmm. and as we know just being humans i didn't have to look this up or anything oxygen's really important <laughs> You didn't do any research on that, babe. I didn't do any research. Not having oxygen while you're in space is bad news. Okay, that's bad. That's pretty bad. Um, So when disaster struck, it is the solution to the Apollo 13 issue is something called the abort guidance system. And that was hers. And that was uh, Judith Love Cohen's project. Oh, wow. Her, she figured out something. I was trying to write it down. I was like, I'm not even going to write it down because I'll just butcher all the words. Basically, she was running the schematics over and over again to see how they could use this abort guidance system to help get them oxygen and get them home safely. And she figured it out. Wow. Okay. So it's a really big deal. It's so complex. Like we can't even describe it. I can't at least. And It's she was, science. It's she uses science to help them out. She uses big science, big engineering. And she, again, I just want to emphasize that it would be quite outstanding 
for her as a woman in this time to be the person being like, wait, I fixed this big problem. Right. And these men can come home safely. Right. These She saved these astronauts' lives. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. According to her son, Neil, he wrote, um, quote, My mother usually considered her work on the Apollo program to be the highlight of her career. When disaster struck the Apollo 13 mission, it was the abort guidance system that brought those astronauts home safely. Judy was there when the Apollo 13 astronauts paid a thank you to the TRW facility in Redondo Beach. So they came all the way to California just to say thank you to the team that got them home safely. And she was there. That's really sweet. And I just realized her name's Judy, like your grandma. Yeah, she is. That's such a grandma name. Such a grandma name. I love it. Mm Mm-hmm. And you know what else? Yes. She figured this stuff out. She was doing the science thing all while caring for her newborn baby boy, Jack Black. (laughs) It's just like absolutely (laughs) wild that she was doing all this stuff and like this little baby that's at home is going to be like way more famous than her for like... (laughs) But she's doing... Being an actor. She's doing these, like, big brain things. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. She's, like, literally, like, helping, like, further, like, the cause of humanity. It's kind of amazing. But he does School of Rock. But so. he did School of Rock, so... Yeah. Funny enough, I originally heard about this story on TikTok, and then I saw it again um, somewhere online. There's sort of a an exaggerated version of what happened. Mm. The story is basically that when she went into labor with Jack Black, she was figuring out the schematics. She gives birth. Immediately after giving birth, she calls her bosses and is like, wait, I figured it out. This is what they need to do. That can't be accurate, though, because the dates don't line up. Mm. Um, Jack Black was born in, I think, August of 1969. And as I mentioned, the Apollo 13 mission will, took place in the spring of 1970. Oh, yeah. So it doesn't line up. He would have been a baby. Like, she's still right with a baby, which is a big deal. So it was, like, slightly apocryphal, but maybe could have been based on something, like, a yeah, maybe similar. Yeah, maybe she was at the doctor's, like, with the baby or something. Right. I feel like there's a nugget of truth that just got kind of blown out of proportion yeah. with that story. Just slightly exaggerated. <laughs> slightly exaggerated, but it's still a cool story. And it's Definitely. what it's what got me interested in her, so I thought I'd mention it. And now I want to take a detour. Okay. And I want to share a little bit about Jack Black. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so Thomas is actually his real name. What really? Mm-hmm. His name is Thomas Jacob Black. Um, he's an American entertainer, for those who don't know. He's known for his acting roles in films such as Shallow Hal from 2001, School of Rock, which we've mentioned a bunch of times from 2003, and The Holiday, which is one of the best holiday movies ever from 2006. And he's also the voice of Poe in Kung Fu Panda. And then additionally, he's one half of the Grammy Award winning comedy rock duo Tenacious D. Tenacious D. So he's a pretty cool person. Indeed. Jack Black was raised in Hermosa Beach, California. His parents divorced when he was 10 and his father stopped practicing Judaism. I mentioned he converted earlier and he was like, oh, I guess I don't need this. Um, and Jack Black actually moved from Hermosa Beach to Culver City. 
Oh, very cool. To live with his father. And that's the area. We're not in Culver City, but that's our general area. Um, And he did have frequent visits with his mom, but it seems like his dad was his primary caregiver. Okay. For high school, uh, Black's parents enrolled him at the Poseidon School, which was... I've never heard of this, so I don't know if it still exists. Mm -hmm. It was a private... um, Middle school, which was designated for students that were struggling in the traditional school system. Okay. And then later he attended Crossroads School. You've We've driven by it. It's a very famous performing arts school. Yeah. And he unsurprisingly excelled in his drama classes. Wow. Who would have thought? Mm-hmm. And then just a little fun fact, he got his first acting gig in 1982 at the age of 13, and he was the star of a video game commercial. That's so cute. Yeah, the video game was called Pitfall with an exclamation point. Yeah, no, never heard of it. Okay, I was wondering if you knew. No, I mean, that's old, 1982. That's like really old school. That's very old school, yes. Now, back to Jack Black's mom. (laughs) It's just (laughs) amazing. Yeah, this is so absurd. I love this. Well, in addition to helping Apollo 13 astronauts come home safely, Cohen Love's engineering career included roles on the teams that created the guidance computer for the Minuteman missile. What? So I, I th- okay, I, I don't know if I'm talking out, out of my rear end here, but I think the Minuteman missiles are like nuclear missiles. I don't I, I know. Don't, I don't know. They don't take, like, I, I'm not sure. That's just what I think it is off the top of my head. Andrew's saying it's fact. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) But that's a big deal. It's a big deal. I've heard of the Minutemen missiles. Yes. And she helped develop the ground system for the tracking data relay system satellite. It's this, it was this big, innovative, fancy satellite, which actually stayed active in space, um, relaying data to the U.S. for decades. I think it was like 40 years. Oh my God, really? Yeah. Isn't that nuts? That is. That's like actually freaking insane. So according to her son, um, Neil, she was also a fierce advocate for equality for women and for everyone in the workplace. Neil wrote, quote, many things that today we consider routine, like the posting of job openings inside of a company so that anyone could apply or formal job descriptions for every position and so forth were her creations. She had a profound impact on the equality in the workforce. Aww. And I don't think he means like she invented these concepts, but she really pushed for these things within her own work environment. Well, it sounded like Neil was a really um, like big admirer of his mom. Yeah, I mean, he kind of follows in her footsteps. He also, I think, is a professor at USC today. Oh my god, that's actually, it's really dope. Mm Mm-hmm. And then in the early 1980s, she remarries again. And she marries a man by the name of David A. Katz, K-A-T-Z, not like cats, like meow. Um, (laughs) And the pair founded a publishing company together called uh, Cascade Pass. Their publishing company prioritized books about women in STEM. Isn't that so cute? I really hope they had a book about Hedy Lamarr. Oh, I wonder. I know that... Judith Love Cohen is like briefly mentioned in one of their books. She's not even like the focus, but someone wrote a book and they mentioned her in it. Um, and then I think they even translated their books because when I was looking at their list of publications, there were a ton in Spanish. Oh, cool. Yeah. 
So they were doing really good work together. Yeah. Um, it's safe to say that Judith Love Cohen was a woman ahead of her time. And she left behind an amazing legacy. After a short battle with cancer, Judith passed away in 2016 in Culver City. Mm. Uh, she had been with her husband, David, for 35 years at the time of her death. And she was survived by three of her four children. Oh, that's kind of sad. I know. And that, weirdos, is the wonderful story of Judith Love Cohen, a.k.a. Jack Black's mom. <laughs> well, I absolutely <laughs> love this. I mean, she would have been an amazing subject even if she was not Jack Black's mom. Right. But the fact that she is just makes her like the ultimate weirdo. Right, because he's such a weirdo. He's in such a weirdo. The best way possible. There's this awesome clip of Jack Black on the red carpet. I think it's for the premiere of Shallow Howl, um, where someone's asking him, like, can you describe like what the movie's about or something? And he says something like, Sometimes hotties are actually uglies on the inside. <laughs> and sometimes uglies are actually hotties on the... <laughs> uglies on the outside are hotties on the inside. And oh I think God. of that quote, I kid you not, very often. <laughs> that is such just quintessential Jack Black. Yes, I love him so much. And then just before we wrap up, my sources... Um, the first source is her son, Neil. He actually wrote an obituary for his mom on the USC uh, Viterbi website. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's their engineering school. And he wrote like a big, nice, long kind of... Um, it didn't read as an obituary. It really read sort of like a, a bio of her and her work. And then also a USA Today article by Rick Ruin called, Yes, Jack Black's mother worked on the system that helped save Apollo 13 astronauts. Of course, that's excellent. And then last but not least, Wikipedia. Because if we didn't have Wikipedia, the world would like end. Yeah, donate to Wikipedia. I do, like once a year or so. Yeah, I'll I think I, I donated like 20 bucks. Yeah. Did my part. <laughs> to keep the podcast yeah. going. I did my part. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Steph. That was an incredible episode. Uh, I really, really loved it. And the fact that Judith was Jack Black's mom is just absolutely incredible. Icing on the cake. It really is. And thank you, Andrew, for um, participating. I know, as folks can probably hear, you kind of lost your voice partying hard all, all I mean, weekend. Weirdos. Mr. Brightside by The Killers came on at the wedding, so of course I was going to lose my voice. That's so, so charming. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for listening, weirdos. My love, you give them the spiel. Tell I'm going to give you the, guys the spiel. Well, first of all, I'm also going to be posting some like pictures and video that I took of um, Dealey Plaza. Mm-hmm. So be on the lookout on Instagram. And speaking of which, if you haven't followed us already, you know the drill. Follow us at History for Weirdos. And, and that's... Oh, and you also, I'm sorry, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure to mm-hmm. hit those that five star and uh, leave a review because it really does help us with the ratings. And you guys have been doing such an amazing job of that already. So if you have already done it, thank you. And that is it for me. Yep. That about sums it up. Thank you all so much for being a part of the weirdo community. And we will talk to you next week. Adios, weirdos.
With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.